What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer with uh, Crossover Commerce here. Thanks for joining us on another live edition of our show. Again, Crossover Commerce, episode 52, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong provides marketplace sellers and entrepreneurs global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with us enables companies to significantly reduce their costs when receiving or making international payments, all in one platform that helps increase operational efficiency, saves time, and allows for sellers to manage their business profits from a single source. To find out more information about how uh, to save your e-commerce business more money, sign up for a free account today by clicking the link in this description below. If you're watching on Facebook, they, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter, thanks for joining us live. Or if you're listening to us later uh, via download on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you might consume your podcast. Thanks for joining us and listening to us on those platforms. But do me a favor and follow and like and share this episode on social media right now if you're watching. And then go ahead and hit that reminder button to be notified of future episodes of Crossover Commerce. You can follow Ping Pong Payments or you can follow my social media profiles. Just search Ryan Kramer on you know Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. We go live about four to five times per week with leaders in the Amazon e-commerce space. So if you're watching us now, tell us what you think in the comments below. Go ahead and we'll be able to see those live and we'll be able to respond to those and any questions or thoughts you might have. If you can't catch us live, make sure that you save these episodes for a later time and tag us in the comments with your thoughts and we'll be able to respond at a later time. But about our guest today, again, episode 52, what I've been trying to do is a seller spotlight. I'm really excited about this series where I want to bring more sellers onto the show where we can get their insights, you know, their, pro, their, 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 basically their perspective in terms of their successes, but also their defeats, newer and older sellers alike. But I really want to get this perspective of this person today because uh, she's actually an Amazon seller and a freelance copywriter. She proudly flew for a major Canadian airline, WestJet, and is famous for its unique culture of caring for its people. The culture that's helped build relationships and connections for both her and her online businesses. This is where she developed how she is treating her customers. So during the peak of COVID-19, she was actually furloughed, like many, uh, so many other people around the world. It was then that she knew that she had a decision to make about her future, then le learned to pivot and at the age of 40, opened a freelance writing business to help propel her life and her brand forward. She's now honored to help Amazon sellers create content for a variety of platforms such as Amazon, websites, blogs, social media, just to name a few. And she strongly believes that the small steps of action can active in active learning can help drive anyone forward. She hopes to be an example of women in their 40s wondering if they can do it. And the answer to that question is, of course they can. Welcome to Christina. Uh, Chris, welcome to our show, Christina of Copy by Christina. With Christina, welcome. Great. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Oh, thanks for joining. We were just chatting a little bit beforehand. You're located in Canada, correct? That's right. Yeah. Experiencing awesome. snow today. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us in the Midwest or Canada, a lot of people experiencing snow right now. So yeah. I feel you. It just seems miserable. I'm not a big fan of, of winter. I can't, yeah. I don't know about people out there. People love the winter. I don't. <laughs> no, I'm used to no way. 
in the winter. So it's a change for me for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you're probably traveling quite a bit. So that's a unique, interesting uh, kind of background that you had there. Maybe in your own words, tell us like, what was it like going from an industry that was, you know, traveling, helping people get from point A to point B, maybe not know what country or city you're in to all Mm -hmm. of a sudden now you're grounded and you have to figure out, Hey, this is this, I need to figure out something else to do with my life. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big adjustment. I, um, you know, I experienced a little bit of the laptop lifestyle because of my aviation career, just in a different way. And um, being grounded was definitely different. The first few months was kind of nice. You know, we experienced some unique challenges in the air. So initially it felt like kind of a welcome break. Um, But as time went on, you know, reality starts hitting that you no longer have a stable career. So yeah, yeah, it was time to figure something else out. So how long were you uh, an airline? Was it attendant? Is that technically the title that you were? Uh, flight attendant. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah. How long were you in the industry? So I'm technically still employed. I'm technically still gotcha. an employee. Um, I just, <laughs> I like Furlough to say then, that yes. I like to support my company. Um, Canadian aviation is in serious difficulty right now, but aside that I've flown for 12 years, this is my 13th year. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> What's it like? So, so I'm just curious about the industry in general. What's it like to get into um, wanting to be in that industry? Is it just the, la- the ability to travel? What's kind of the decision making process? Because that's a long time to be um, working right. for, you know, airline and, and whatnot. And, you know, maybe tell us like the, the glory, the glamour of it, but also maybe the insides if you can, of like think- the difficulties of it. I think the, the reality for me about flying was that connection is really important piece of who I am. And flying allows you opportunity to connect with a wide variety of people. Um, you're sitting in a jump seat for four hours with somebody. And so you kind of build these unique relationships. They don't necessarily last outside of your flying time. But, um, you know, you get to meet all kinds of different people and you're you're helping people daily, especially guests. Um, they're not typically familiar with travel. So um, that that element of helping people and community was really nice. And then also just the lifestyle. I don't think people realize that flight attendants, we work extremely hard and we have uh, various backgrounds, you know, some some doctors, some lawyers, some nurses. Um, so we all have different forms of education um, or small businesses on the side. But also, you know, it's a unique lifestyle and we're only flying 80 hours a month. So we have the rest of the time off. So when I'm home in Calgary, I would have five days off in a row. Um, so the flexibility that came with that was really nice. And I also had six weeks paid vacation. So I wow. traveled personally pretty extensively. Um, so there were so many benefits. And I think that that's why people, you know, you hear of some flight attendants, especially in the U.S. with some of the larger carriers that have been around for a while. They've been flying for 20, 25 years. And it's it's really about the lifestyle. Um, but, you know, to say that it does come with its challenges. It is extremely fatiguing. It's very hard on your body. Um, and, you know, dealing with so many people day in and day out can be difficult. So... I bet. Yeah. That's the ultimate customer service role. If I've ever heard yeah. one in my life with when I know I traveled, I was constantly like trying to just be as nice as possible to people. Cause I know that there were so many different faces going back and forth. Um, maybe was it a regional is, is that a regional airline or is that international where you coming and going? No. Like what was kind of like the schedule like there? We're international, but, um, 
we don't, we weren't quite unionized at that point. So we had the option to bid for whatever type of flying we wanted. And for me at the time, having weekends off was really ideal. So I would fly Monday to Thursday and I'd pretty much consistently have that routine. And then in the winter, I would bid hot destinations. So I'd be in or Mexico for pretty much November, December, January, February. So, sounds awesome. Yeah, I, <laughs> not, yeah, I was going to say, that's not, but yeah. it's interesting to say bidding. Like you say, it's almost like PPC right now in the Amazon space. Like I you know. have to bid in kind of like, hey, I, I really want this keyword uh, and I, I will pay a lot for it. So what is a bidding like process? And again, uh, hello to everyone watching on social media. Hello, Tiffany. Thanks for watching. Uh, <laughs> what's it like bidding process? Because I'm going to, I'm going to tie the two together now, right now with airline and Amazon. Yeah. So bidding process for airline. What's it like? So every airline is different. The way they operate their schedules is very different. And for us, we use kind of a point system. So we were, you know, allotted um, points in order to bid. And you basically prioritize what you want. You know, if you're a family and you've got kids at home, having weekends off was really important. So you would bid weekends off as a priority. So, yeah, that's kind of the way it worked. Gotcha. And then if if you were just on the short end of the stick, you would have to do weekends or things like that. Is that kind of how yeah. it worked out? Yeah, I worked it, a lot of Christmases when I first started flying. That I was gone. My family still to this day, they'll ask me, like, are you going to be home for Christmas? And <laughs> I tell them the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a up in the air, especially this year. You're probably like, yep, I'll be there. Set a seat at the table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. What's what's your favorite place to travel to? Um, gosh, I've been to so many amazing places. Um, I love Hawaii. Hawaii is uh, very very chill. I don't know. It's just really nice. But I also love Costa Rica. Um, gosh, I, I couldn't even, there's so many amazing places in the world. I couldn't really say just one place. I put you on the spot there. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's maybe this way, what was your least favorite destination to travel to? Let, let's get really I don't want to harp on any Canadian cities, but we have some, <laughs> we have some, you know, destinations that are pretty far north that there's really nothing around. And as a flight attendant, you're on the road so much. So if you're trapped in a hotel and there's nothing to do or nowhere to go, it, it can be a little bit um, difficult. I'll just say that. I won't list a name because I don't want to offend any, like, you know, any Canadians out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll stay away from the Canadian. Well, what about, inter let's, let's go international cities then or like locations. Mm -hmm. Was there just like a, a travel like or a trip that just didn't go right in any way, shape or form? You know, we have different segments in the era of travel that are difficult, but it's not reflected on the cities. So an example would be um, some of the hot destinations are difficult to fly. And that's just because, you know, you're dealing with a large number of people. They're really long flights. People are very uncomfortable. So I wouldn't necessarily it was city dependent. It just it was really route dependent. And again, I don't want to say a name of a city. <laughs> I also don't, you know, I want to be respectful to my company and I don't want to offend them. Oh. I can't hear you. Sorry. Oh, that's my fault. I muted Sorry, myself. No. See, that's what I do. That's what I do when I uh, go live is I accidentally mute myself sometimes okay. when I have to readjust. My okay. seat fell all of a sudden. So okay. I went off camera real quick. But anyways... Uh, that's interesting. Obviously, we don't want to offend anyone, and of course, you're still technically employed. So, with that being said, with that being said, what is it like in terms of that rigorous schedule? What at what point did your like your life have to go into a 
you know what? I need to do something outside of just being in the airline industry. Mm -hmm. I needed to find another income. Like what was that transition in career wise? I would say like, obviously you're still employed, but what was that moment like when you had to say, I need to do something about getting into e-commerce or doing something different? I think for me, um, I started really feeling like I didn't, I had potential in me, but I couldn't figure out what that was. And as a flight attendant, because the schedule became so great, I think I stagnated other points of personal development and possibly learning. So I think it was, it was basically around the time that I started Amazon when I started thinking, you know, maybe there's other opportunity for me outside of my flying career. Um, What would have been really ideal is if I had gone part-time flying, that would have been perfect. Um, But, you know, COVID hit and that's when it, basically I was slapped in the face with the thoughts that I had already had. I just realized I had to do something with those thoughts. Gotcha. So, so where did uh, e-commerce come into play? Is that something that you were between that and was there like other things that you were like, Hey, maybe I can uh, do another sort of like side house. Like I I would say like part-time job or anything like that because your schedule is all over the place. Is that why e-commerce made the most sense for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. that it could work. I mean, there is challenges being a flight attendant and um, operating an online business though. And the reality is there's some flights I'm in the air for 12 days. So if something goes on with a listing or, um, you know, if Amazon does something kind of crazy, which can happen, I have no ability to fix those things. So there was definitely challenges, but yeah, exactly. When I, um, you know, I'd been 12 years into my flying career, I had just turned 40. I wouldn't say it was a midlife crisis. I just started really evaluating if there was something else for me and it just seemed like a great opportunity to try so absolutely so what so what's that process like when you're like all right this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna set my mind to it my time is not as like cyclical as i want it to be so i have to find these ways to learn and pick up information along the way Mm -hmm. where where do you go in terms of education where do you go in terms of like understanding how to start an online business Mm -hmm. um I mean, I had no, <laughs> I had no idea where to start. I did meet someone locally who had experience in Amazon, and I, um, I did train with this person one on one for up until my launch phase in Amazon. But otherwise, nice. I just, um, you know, I read a lot of content online as much as I could. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I, you know, you have to, you have to be self learning. Yeah, where, where was your? Um... Can you give us like any place that you picked up a lot of information on or your favorite tips? Um, In terms of Amazon when I first started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's no surprise I've talked about this before, but I I watched Tatiana James's content on YouTube and she was the first um, person that I had even heard of talking about Amazon. And it was a unique experience because she was also Canadian and um, she had talked about her personal experience of getting started in business. And when I started watching her content, I realized that not only was she speaking of Amazon, but she was speaking about how to run a business, you know, personal development, those things. So I took a lot of information from her. Um, And then otherwise, I I think, you know, just that the notion of just persevering, Amazon can be really challenging and you just have to have that mindset that you're going to keep going. Gotcha. What, uh, so what made you go into the product products that you currently sell right now? Is it, are you, do you tell people what kind of 
categories you sell in or still sell in or want to focus on? Okay. I don't, I, you know, in the Amazon world, um, especially because I'm a copywriter, I try to keep my business personal. Um, I'm not opposed to it as I expand, but right now I'm in a critical scaling phase. So, you know, I, I, I do keep that private, but I actually was in business with a, um, with another individual and we didn't see eye to eye on product selection. And it, um, it really highlighted that I had to really follow my gut instinct. So I did my own product research. I set myself a timeline of two weeks and I decided after that two week process, I was going to have a product. So I did a lot of uh, research to find the product that I'm selling right now. That's awesome. Congratulations on the success. So what maybe are you you're selling in .com though, correct? Or is it Canada? Where, where are you selling at currently? I'm selling in Canada right now. And um, I've spoken about this previously. I think Canada can be an undervalued market. Um, for me, I didn't start Amazon with a lot of money. Uh, quite frankly, I started Amazon with roughly $6,000. And I um, didn't have the inventory. Once I realized the product was a hit, I knew I made the right choice because I wouldn't have been able to sustain inventory in the US. So obviously, it's a goal over time. Absolutely. And then obviously, that was when was the official launch that of your brand? Was that in 2020? Or 2019? Yep. So 2020? I'm like, what What year are we now? Uh, or 2021? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but we are. <laughs> yeah, November of 2020. And it was about January, I started seeking um, real Amazon mentorship. And it was in one one call with a certain individual that I realized the product was in great shape, like the ACOS was for, for a start, it was incredibly low without any effort or understanding of PPC. And that's when I started realizing I had a successful, a really successful opportunity. Nice. And then, so what are like, go take us through, so that was almost a year ago, just over a year now that you've been in business. So that you've already made it past the first year, which not a lot of people do. So maybe take us through now that you've seen kind of the cyclical nature of mm-hmm. a business What's the journey like the highs and the lows? Maybe you start with the highs. What are your highs that you've gone through this year? I think just looking back on the last year and seeing all the change, it's just incredible to realize that, you know, you've now built a brand. I don't just have a singular product. I mean, I only have one product, but I have a brand. So that's a really crazy concept. And I think it's, you know, really rewarding at the same time. And otherwise, um, I think the challenges are quite obvious, you know, Amazon kind of ebbs and flows and inventory is, you know, it's difficult. So I'd say that that would, that's a big challenge. Yeah. The sourcing game I think is, is really difficult to maybe take it to that next step. And then, um, so, so for you just to be maybe more clear, is it just like projecting like when you're going to need more inventory? Do you think that's the most challenging part? Hmm. I think the inventory was just getting enough in general. Yeah. I was going to say inventory restrictions. I had no restrictions. Initially everything was fine. And, um, what ended up happening was I did a very significant redesign on my product and that's when I created a new SKU and that's when my inventory was limited and it has, it hasn't halted my business, but it has definitely created challenges. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. It's it's probably one of those things for new sellers. I've always heard this story of if you have inventory restrictions, it's difficult to scale out level without running out of products, especially maybe in a competitive category if you're in that. So w- what is what is kind of like after 2020? Because it's not a traditional year, you would think. What's kind of uh, 
we've gone through the ups and the downs, obviously. What's been the greatest thing that you're going to hold on to you for the rest of your life? In terms of Amazon or just in yeah, general? Or maybe like just in entrepreneurship in general, because like this has allowed you to not just do Amazon, right? This kind of curtailed you into another business and copywriting. Right. I really, I really have learned that, um, you really can do anything. I know it sounds so cliche, but I think for so many years of my life, I just told myself that I wasn't capable or, you know, maybe I couldn't keep up and I just don't have that mindset anymore. I just think, uh, you know, it's worth, it's worth a shot. <laughs> no, that's, that's great advice. And that, I, that would be an inspiring story. It looks like we had someone else. Uh, I remember, uh, from, from Leamy, I remember her from Sharon Evans' channel that she had a very inspirational story. Yeah, share like Sharon always loves sharing great stories. So that's that's awesome that you got to share that with her. And uh, obviously, we're hearing it firsthand here on Crossover Commerce that inspirational story uh, for sure. What what's the next steps for you? Maybe what's kind of that next part of your journey? Is it scaling your business to hire on individuals? Is this to do it full time? What's kind of you think that road for you? Um, when I talk about my brand, I tell people openly that I want to be a globally recognized brand. Okay. <laughs> and you know, some people may laugh at that, but I really believe in positive affirmations. Although I feel there's challenges ahead, I'm just going to keep going. And so I'm sourcing other products. I'm looking at other opportunities. And also my writing career is taking off. So that's a really big focus. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe take us into that because that's where copy uh, by Christina kind of came from. Uh, I was on your website and we'll make sure we put the link in below as well. What, what kind of brought you to say like, Hey, I can, I can take this Amazon thing to the next level, but also I'm really good at copywriting. Like mm -hmm. what, what was that transition like for you in terms of like, I can do this on the side as well as sell on Amazon. Well, the truth is, is that I worked closely with a great mentor. And at the time, she knew that I was struggling with, um, you know, losing my aviation career. And so she posed a question, what are you good at? And initially, I took a couple of weeks and I came back to her and I said, you know, I'm not good at anything. And um, she dismissed that and said, you're going to come back in, in like another week and you're going to tell me what you're good at. And I had always been writing. I've written other blogs, but I guess I just kind of shelved the idea. And so I submitted a sample to a client of hers and everyone was very surprised by the sample. Um, and that's when I realized, like, maybe I actually could do this. So I'm actually in right now a sales copywriting course. I mean, I take courses and I'm learning constantly. I don't think that this is like a narrow minded field that I'm in. Um, right. Yeah. So then I started realizing that I had a skill set. You know, I just recently did some website content and I took it to an evaluation group and it, they were blown away with the content. So I feel like um, there is a skill set there and I'm just excited to keep going with it. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. So what, what do you think? Uh, is that going to be just continue to write SEO copywriting, maybe not just with Amazon, but outside of that as well? So to clarify, I actually don't write SEO. Um, I write okay for Amazon listings because it's a huge portion of Amazon, obviously, mm. and I understand how Amazon works, um, but I don't write SEO. So yeah, obviously I, I'm scaling my writing business. At some point I will be hiring. Um, that's a nerve wracking thing to say out loud, I guess. But yeah, I, I realize that as an individual, I can't um, you know, sustain the magnitude of clients that I'm facing long-term, so. Yeah, that, that makes sense because you don't do this to obviously take over a 60 hour a week job. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people try to go to Amazon to get away from that, but of course yeah. you wanna make sure that you, you scale appropriately. And we had on last night, we had uh, Nate Ginsburg uh, from SellerPlex and he talks about obviously 
taking those first four steps of those categories of, I call them MWAs. I'm stealing this from another friend of the show, Mike Zagari. MWAs are minimum wage activities. So things like I have to, you know, instead of focusing on my Amazon business, I have to focus on, hey, how do I post this content on social media to build on my brand or things that are not like lowbrow, but there's something that just takes so much time and effort away from your what grows your business. So that's what he says, like minimum wage activities, you have other people to do that for you. So that's yeah. why it's important to, to do that. So that's exciting. So positive affirmation, we're going to be hiring how many people in 2021? Let's put it out there. Um, Probably two. <laughs> that's two? Fair. Okay. Hey, that's tripling the size of your business. No, that's no. what it is. Yeah. But, so that, that number, but still. Uh, hey, you got to start somewhere because, you know, until you get to 100, you got to start with right. one and two and then got to go up from there. So that's exciting. So what, um, so where are you finding most success in terms of like education? Because you said you had a mentor and that's fantastic. Like you need good mentors in the space. Uh, you heard about Tatiana James and whatnot. Where are your like exciting, like wh where's the most excitement content that you're consuming as a first time seller going through this your first year? Where are you learning more about like the insights and more of the nitty gritty of Amazon? Is there a group? Is there a blog? Like what, what can we share with people that you're being successful with? To get value. Um, yeah, I'm to get more value. Now I'm still visiting YouTube. I'm actually really trying to learn about whole, wholesale story and retail arbitrage because I'm writing a little bit more in that space. So I use Clubhouse frequently um, to learn about those things. And the wholesale group and re retail arbitrage group has been really, really nice and um, accepted me and answers all my questions. So um, that that has been a really great learning experience. But I still frequent the same sites. Helium 10, I'm a proud supporter of. Um, I love their blog. So I think I'm kind of all over the place in terms of content. I still refer to YouTube to keep up to date. But um, as far as other specific groups, I'm kind of just on my own right now. Yeah. Just figuring it out as you go, like, yeah. like almost failure, would you say failure is like the best form of like learning? Mm -hmm. It really or just kind is. of like, just without like having the floaties on, you kind of have to go and see if you can swim. It's so true, especially in Amazon. I think when you first start, you think that there's all these like black and white or routes that you have to take and you start learning that everything, not everything, but a lot is trial and error and you have to try in order to learn. Yeah. What's the most, um, what's the first thing that you're going to do when you're able to travel again in oh, gosh. like, is, is it going to be for business for Amazon or is it going to be for working for your airline? <laughs> that, those are the first questions. Yeah, I think, you know, um, the, the reality is Canadian aviation is in really big trouble right now, unfortunately. Right. Um, so I don't really know when I'll go back to my flying career, but mm -hmm. um, we're also heavily restricted in where we can actually travel to. But when things do open up, I probably will go on a pretty significant vacation. I've um, I've really wanted Good to year. go. To yeah, I've had Bali on the list for a really long time, and I just feel like, 2020 was supposed to be my year to go to Bali. And so hopefully it happens at some point this year. Yeah. I will say my wife and I keep looking at, we were supposed to go to Italy for two weeks or so. And that's, that's on our, uh, it's it. They were like, yeah, it's either going to be in 20 or 20 or 2021, 2022. And we're like, yeah, that's uh, definitely happening for sure. Uh, cause we love to eat and we're going to eat yeah. our way through Italy for sure. But, uh, <laughs> Italy's fun. I've been there once before and I was able to travel abroad. So that was the one thing I learned about flying in Europe is that a, it's super cheap and yeah. it's, 
A, also B, super scary because it's like on these airways that are, so maybe Canadian Air, I haven't flown on Canadian Air. Uh, hopefully it's not like this, but uh, there's these companies called Ryanair and EasyJet yeah. over in uh, in Europe. And it's kind of scary because, or funny, I say, because you keep getting pitched all these different products along your mm -hmm. travel destination. And then when you land, there's this all of a sudden this like jingle that plays. I'm not sure if it still happens, but this is what happened 10 years ago. Uh, there's a jingle that plays is like you have successfully landed at your destination. Like you're celebrating the fact that you're like <laughs> that we take for granted. We're supposed to arrive there safely. Yeah. Canada air doesn't do that or your, your companies aren't doing that. Right. Um, you know, every airline operates a little differently. Ryanair is very unique in the sense that it's extremely che cheap to travel with them. Right. So they charge you for everything. Once you get on the plane, basically, um, yep has a really unique culture. Um, you know, we really engage with our guests. Um, I mean, even over Christmas time, our safety demo flight attendants commonly do the Dr. Seuss safety demo. So I think that we have our own spin on things for sure. I was going to say, oh, look, we have uh, Emily, a uh, friend of the show, also <laughs> laughing. And she says that they still do that. Yes, Emily, yeah. I'm so glad that you confirmed that for us because I was really worried that if that went <laughs> away, I was going to be very disappointed. But no. so, yeah, so you, okay, that's the other question I was going to say, did you have to do like the safety, um, the, the safety, like walk through like the safety precautions and things like that? Oh yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's okay. funny. After 12 or 13 years of flying, I still get nervous to do the safety demo. I don't know what it is. It's just so silly. It's just maybe a little bit of social anxiety or something, but yeah. I mean, you're, you're on a stage basically in front of what, maybe like, 60, 75, hundred people. <laughs> it's just awkward. Oh yeah. Because you have to hold it up to your mouth and whatnot. Are you a person who takes it seriously and kind of goes through like, Hey, these are strict guidelines or do you have fun with it? And you have to do like your, your own unique thing. I think, you know, our company really supports both, but safety is our number one focus. Um, and it has to be, I sure. think the public maybe doesn't understand how pivotal safety is um so that is always a priority but obviously i want to have fun at my job in any in any position that i'm in yeah absolutely so that being said i know um maybe just a couple more questions before we wrap up here what christina do you think is the one thing you wish you would have known before you started on amazon maybe like some advice to yeah. share with people who might be listening for the first time and uh, before they get going on Amazon, what's what's your advice to people who are just starting out? The biggest thing that I've learned, and this isn't to discourage people, I still think you should try, but um, the days of starting Amazon with very minimal amount of money, in my opinion, are over. Um, I really think that you should set yourself up for success and to grow a brand, you need money to make money. Um, so make sure that you've allotted yourself enough of a budget um, so that once you actually get in stock and you start selling, you can easily reorder inventory and you can handle kind of some of the things that come up out of nowhere. That's good stuff. And I think that's where I want to leave it today because I think just hearing your story is really exciting for people who are just want to say, listen, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can confirm this for us. It's still, you're still able to start an Amazon, be successful. Is that, yeah. is that true uh, for you? I get a lot of people asking me, especially my personal life or DMing me, asking me like, are you sure Amazon's still viable? A thousand percent. If there was ever a time to start, the time is now. So absolutely. And we got we got some more comments like happy to listen to you guys. Well, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Everyone who's watching again on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. 
Again, Christina, thank you so much for hopping on today. I know it's Friday. I don't want to take too much of your time today. You're a busy person. We're it's just kind of crazy, but we we try to make Fridays really exciting and fun here on the show. So I appreciate your time. I know we were supposed to talk about this earlier, but with crazy stuff going on, man, we had to just get you back on at a different time. So I appreciate you rescheduling with us. And we have some, obviously hopefully see you more in the future. Um, any other things that you have maybe for 2021 that you're excited about or that you want to leave us with? I think just, you know, just being hopeful for the future and kind of changing a mindset, you know, just looking forward to positive things, I guess, in all avenues of our life, especially with dealing with COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Short and sweet and to the point, hey, let's be positive about ourselves and where we're going to be in life. And I think we can all take more of that in our uh, daily day to day. So thank you so much for hopping on again today here on Crossover Commerce. I appreciate your time and we'll we'll be in touch, I'm sure, uh, moving forward. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Christina. And again, everyone, thank you for joining us again live on Crossover Commerce. That was Christina of Copy by Christina. Um, we were really excited to have her on just to give her perspective in her seller uh, focus. We're spotlighting, we're trying to spotlight more Amazon sellers on this show, uh, hopefully at least once a week, if not uh, more than that. But for those of you who have not heard of us before, again, this is our show, Crossover Commerce. We go live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter almost every single day, four to five times a week um, that we're trying to do this to bring the best insights and Amazon experts and e-commerce experts to you listeners. Go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on our social media channels, and that's on Ping Pong Payments YouTube channel. Or if you go ahead and search Crossover Commerce, you can listen to our audio versions on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, really anywhere where you consume your podcast. I'm the host of this show, Ryan Kramer. This is episode 52 of Crossover Commerce. To go ahead and tell you guys what's coming next week, I'm super excited about. We have four guests. We're going only for live shows next week. But again, you will be notified those if you follow us on social media, on my personal one or on our company one as well. You can search for me, Ryan Kramer, or Ping Pong Payments as well. Our guests next week are going to be Kevin Sanderson of Maximizing E-Commerce. We're going to have Jim Mann of Thrasio, which is a big company that everyone's talking about this week. Who's going to be joining us about uh, from he as an FBA seller to now acquire how they're disrupting the Amazon ecosystem. We're going to be speaking with Yoni Mazur, uh, Mazur of Gatita about, obviously, FBA reimbursements and increasing your Amazon profits, so you'll want to tune in for that. And then Chris Shipperling of Global Wired Advisors. He's, they're a brokerage, and they help maximize uh, your Am greatest Amazon assets, and that is your brand. So lots of different topics we're going to be covering next week. You want to make sure that you tune in. 52 episodes in the book. We're going to add four more next week. So go ahead and tune in again live on social media. That's on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, but also can catch us on the audio versions as well. I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of this show, Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us again. Happy Friday to everyone out there. Be safe and good luck on Amazon and e-commerce. We'll catch you guys next time on this show.